If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to 1 John chapter 2, and we'll begin reading with verse 28 and 29. Verse 28, it says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. May we pray. Our gracious Father, we pray that you'll open up the scriptures to our understanding. We know the Holy Spirit's one has to illuminate our minds and thoughts that we can receive the engrafted word, that we might grow in grace and knowledge of Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is, uh, first has a lot to say, verse 29. Uh, if you know that he is righteous, that word know there means to know absolutely once and for all. Then it says, you know, that's genosco, to know by experience that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. And then chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, or children of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. The marks of the children of God. As we look at this in verse 29, as I said, the word, the word if you know is only, which means to have absolute knowledge once and for all, that he is righteous, God is righteous in all his deeds. And you know by experience that everyone that's practicing, doing means to practice righteousness, has been born of God, born of Him, born of God. So that's one of the evidences of a child of God is that they practice righteousness. They obey the commands of Christ. They obey the Lord. When people don't obey the Lord, it's not a good sign that they're born again. Especially if they every day, every day, every day, they be disobedient their whole life. Everyone commits acts of sin. That's like a thief. One, a, a person can steal something and not be a thief. He may do it out of hunger, may do it out of necessity. But a thief is someone who steals on any occasion he gets, he'll steal something. There's a difference between committing a sin and living in sin. Some people live to sin, like some people live to eat. They live to sin. That's habitually sinning. And a child of God who's been born again, according to the Word of God, does not practice wickedness as a habit. We practice righteousness. In other words, what is sin? Sin is the transgression of the law. It means the Lord said, Thou shalt not, and you break that, you sinned. We broke the law of God. And it goes on to say... Uh, to know, to know absolutely, the first know, and the second is to know experimentally. Is born of Him. If you know that He is righteous, God is righteous, you know that everyone that's doing or practicing righteousness has been born of God. There's an evidence there. It's in the perfect tense. Speaking of past completed action having the present results, this person who was born again, is now a believer, and what's he doing? He's practicing righteousness. He's obeying Christ's commands. 
He's walking in the Spirit. He's filled with the fruits of the Spirit. So regeneration has to be there first. You have to have life before you can act. Soon as the baby is born, you spank the baby, what does the baby do? The baby cries. That's an evidence of life. And in you and I, once we're born again, the evidence of our life is that we love the Lord and we obey the Lord. We obey Him. It's an evidence that we pass from death unto life. We're to be imitators of God as dear children. We're to imitate God. God is righteous in all His ways and we're to imitate God. It says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, Whosoever believeth is present tense. The person right now is a believer, present tense a believer. That Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And that born of God is in perfect tense. In other words, he, he, in time past, he was born of God. In the present tense, he's believing. So it shows that the birth has to come first. There has to be a life. And then it's evidenced by believing of God. Everyone that loveth him, that begot, loveth him also that is begotten of him. We love God and we love the children of God. John, all the way through 1 John, is talking about love. Love to his brother. Love to your sister in the Lord. Love to the family of God. And where there is love, there can be no hate in the sense, hatred to the, uh, to the uh, point of murdering someone. You know, if, if you take hate and let it go to its fullest extreme, it would end up in murder. And that's, and that's what hate really is, is aiming at, murder. And we have to realize the danger of holding these type of things in our lives, like anger and hate. So we are born again, past tense, and present tense, believing. Believing. So which comes first, believing or being born again? Being born again. God gives his children life, and then we believe in Jesus Christ. So simple. Everyone that doeth righteousness. Now remember, the word doeth means to practice, to practice righteousness. If you know Genosco, I mean uh, One, that he is righteous, you know Genosco that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. If I see people in the congregation here practicing righteousness from the observation, my experience, my Genosco experience, I can say they have a dance that they've been born again, Brother Watch. Born again. If a person never reads the Word of God, they never pray, they never go to church, they never have no interest in the things of God, it's, it's evident that they don't love God, that they haven't been born again. Actions speak louder than words, as the old saying goes. The present active participle, referring to doeth, denotes habit of life. Habit of life. Prevailing principle of one's life, not a single action, but a succession of acts which makes up the life, distinguishes what you are. Now, as I say, we can commit an act of sin. He without sin, let him cast a first stone. But at the same time, a true born-again believer will not practice sin in a continued lifestyle because they love the Lord and God would chasten them and bring them to repentance. And, that's, a, and that's, that's one of the signs of being a 
child of God because Father would chastise us. You know, we chastise our children when they need it. And sometimes grandchildren. But we have, they need that chastisement. And we need it. As God's children, we need sometimes for God to chasten us, to chastise us. He's saying to you and I, stop. That's not good for you. Ungodliness. What is ungodliness? Anything that God named cannot be used is ungodly. God's not in it. It's ungodly. And a lifestyle, if we live a righteous life, it doesn't produce the new birth, but it's a visible evidence that the individual is born of God. It doesn't make us born again. It's an evidence we've been born again. You know, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Philippians 2, chapter, uh, verses 12 through 13. Paul writing to the Philippians says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, how much more in my absence. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And that's what we're doing. We're practicing righteousness. We're obeying the Lord. We're working out righteousness. And how do we do that? Number verse 13, for it is God, which worketh in you both, notice this, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So who gets the glory for our, our good works? God does. He's the one that's working in us through the Holy Spirit to, to work in us the will and the do of his good pleasure. As we obey him, as we follow him, he gives us that will to continue and the strength to obey him. You know, it takes faith to believe God. All the promises of God without faith mean nothing. And all the commands of God, it takes the grace and the strength of God. As Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who infuses strength in me. We need his strength obey the commands of God. So we're dependent upon God for everything, beloved. Remember, it's God which worketh in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. That's to encourage us. Somebody says, I can't live the Christian life. And that's why God says, you work out, and when you're working out, I'm working in. And what I work in, you work out. See, God's on our side, Brother Roger. He didn't leave us. He's not up there watching what we're doing, see if we're going to do it right. He's with us, helping us at each state of our life. I'm Hallelujah for that. That's the encouragement truth. Let that sink in. You are not alone in your Christian life. God is working in you. The will and to do of his good pleasure. Paul says in Titus 1.1, Paul is servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. Truth will lead you and I to godliness. If you believe the truth, you believe the word of God and you obey God, it'll end up Having, you'll have godliness in your life. You'll be like God. You'll have God like You'll be imitating Christ. We'll be living epistles, ready and known of all men. They'll see Christ in you. Matthew 13, 23. When Jesus is speaking there in Matthew about the parables, he says, but he, in verse 23, but he that receiveth seed... 
into the good ground. Now, the good ground is someone who's been born again. God has given them life, given them a new nature. They've been born of God. The good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. You hear the word and you understand it. That's an evidence that you've been born again of the Spirit of God. Because the natural man cannot receive the things of God, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So, beloved, if you have ears to hear spiritual things, if you have ears to understand spiritually the things being preached, it's an evidence that you've been born again, that you're a good ground. You understand it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. If you are born again, child of God, and been born again, and a believer, you will bring forth fruit. Some thirty, some sixty, some a hundredfold. We are at different stages in our Christian life. That's why the Bible says to grow in grace and in knowledge of Jesus Christ. Beloved, we are in a growing process. The congregation meets to hear the word of God proclaimed and preached to help believers that we may grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and that we may worship the true and living God and that we might love one another. And this is why John is teaching all through First John that we're to love one another, even as God loved us. So remember this, the good ground, but he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, then he understands it. And he also beareth fruit and bringeth forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So a person who never brings forth fruit has never been born again. You'll know the tree will be known by its fruit. That's what the Lord taught. And then in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9, the apostle Paul, which was one of the greatest apostles I believe that ever lived and of all the apostles, he was sold out to God 100%. Paul. That's one of Roger's favorite sermons, preaching on Paul. I've heard him preach on Paul many times here at Mount Zion. And Paul loved the Lord. He said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And as a young believer, you should ask yourself that same question, Lord. What would you have me to do as a believer in Jesus Christ in you? And you've got to be sincere and honest about this. The devil's going to say, oh, don't worry about that. You've got plenty of time. Just put it off for the next time. Beloved, I want to challenge you here that are believers. Ask the Lord in your own heart. Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? And you know one thing he wants you to do. This wasn't in my preparation this morning, but I'm going to mention it. He wants you to follow him in baptism if you haven't been baptized. And beloved, it's an honor. It's not something you should dread or fear. It's something you should rejoice about. Remember when the eunuch was baptized, he went on his way one, rejoicing. Oh, hallelujah. He identified himself with Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is. You identifying yourself with Jesus Christ. When a woman and a man get married, she's identifying herself with her husband. So when we get baptized and go under the water and come out of the water, we're identifying ourselves with the Lord. What's so hard about that? Beloved, that should be an honor. You should be thanking God and say, Lord, I want to follow you in baptism. And to follow the Lord in baptism, then you want to be 
join the congregation of the Lord and worship God in the, in the assembly with His saints waiting for His coming. It doesn't mean you have to live a perfect life. If you're waiting to live a perfect life, you'll never be baptized and you'll never join the church because you'll never be perfect. There's no one in this church is perfect. Not me, not Roger, not Dave, not Bill, not Sue, not anyone. We're all depending upon the Lord Jesus Christ to cleanse us daily as our high priest and our advocate with the Father. We all live daily and we confess our sins daily to our high priest who's over the house of God. So, beloved, don't let your fears and your anxiety keep you from following the Lord. In your heart, truly say, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And Paul goes on to say in Philippians 4, 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Now, what did Paul say also say in one verse? Follow me as I follow Christ. And Brother Roger and Brother Dave and myself can say the same to you. Follow us as we follow Christ. If we don't follow Christ, you don't have to follow us. And Paul said that. He was an apostle. Follow me as I follow Christ. Remember, both you learned, you received, you heard, you seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Paul is saying the same thing as in the uh, uh, taught in the parable. In the parable, you know, it said, uh, receive the seed in the good ground, then you hear the word, then you understand it, then you bring forth fruit. And that's what Paul was saying. You have learned, you received, you heard, you've seen in me do. When you do it, that's bringing forth fruit to perfection. And Paul says in Colossians 1, 5, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Aren't you glad about that? We have a hope laid up for us in heaven, Brother Ron. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions to go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What are you living for? Now, we're, we have to work. God says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. So it's our responsibility as fathers and mothers and as uh, a husband to take care of your wives and take care of your family if you have children. It's our responsibility to do that. We're to live our lives, but at the same time, it's our responsibility to put God first. Who comes first? Husband, wife, brother, sister, mother, father? No, the Lord comes first. You must decide in your own life it's for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You need to come to that conclusion, make a stand for God, I'm going to serve the Lord. Now sometimes it can cost you something to serve the Lord, but we have to be willing to pay the price. Paul said, both learned and received and heard and seen in me do or practice, and the God of peace shall be with you. If you want peace, Obeying the Lord brings peace. And then as I read in Colossians 1.5, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which is coming to you as it is in all the world, notice this, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you. 
The, war, the God will bring forth fruit in your life. If you're a born again believer, child of God, He will produce fruit in your life because the Lord says the tree is known by its fruit. And we as God's children will be known by the fruits that's in our lives. Since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Oh, beloved, when you know the grace of God in truth, it will bring forth fruit in your life. It's an evidence that you're a born-again child of God. And Satan can put doubt in your mind. Even born-again Christians who maybe have been serving the Lord for years and years and years, Satan will whisper into their ear, how do you know you're a child of God? Maybe you're deceived. Satan's always putting that, how do you know? Had God said? God knows that you'll be as gods if you eat this fruit. He's holding it back from you. Satan's always tempting us to doubt God. But beloved, your faith and trust is in God. The God of grace and truth. Remember the Spirit's called the Spirit of truth. He leads unto all truth. How do we know what's error and what's truth? By reading the Word of God. I hope every one of you has a copy of God's Word. If you don't have a Bible, then we'll get you one. But have a copy of God's Word. Bring it with you to the house of God. Study what I'm saying. Go home. Go on Sermons Audio. Re-listen to the sermon if you didn't get everything. And take your Bible and take the Word of God and go through it word by word. And listen and ask God to bless it to your heart to grow. That you can grow as a Christian. You know, Jesus is a... He was... Born of the Virgin Mary, he lived a life. He grew in knowledge and wisdom as a young man. He grew. Now, he was filled with the Spirit beyond measure. But we are not in the sense that he was. And even we have to grow gradually in our Christian life. We should know more today than we did when we started out 20 or 30 years ago. 40 or 50, ago, 40, 50 years ago, Roger. <laughs> And myself. We should be growing in grace all through the years. And we thank God for that. And the Lord told us in John 15, notice how the truth locks together. In John 15, 16, the Lord said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Now the Lord does the choosing. And ordain you. Notice this. Now, this is very important. Don't miss this. And ordain you that you should go and bring forth fruit. He said, I've chose you for a reason. I've chosen you. You didn't choose me and ordained you that you should bring forth fruit. And how do we bring forth fruit? He says, I'll send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, the comforter. And we have the fruit of the Spirit, which is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness. Against such there's no law. Those fruits will be produced in our lives by the Spirit. Because God ordained that they should be. The Lord did. And that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you should ask the Father in my name, He may give it you. You know, if we ask anything in the Lord's name, He'll give it to us. But it, remember, we always have to pray according to His will. If we ask anything according to His will, John, 1 John says, we know he, we have the confidence that what we ask, He'll give it to us. 
But we have to pray according to the will of God. How do we know how to pray according to the will of God? By reading the Word of God. Reading the Word of God. Prayer cannot be effectual or beneficial because if we don't read God's Word. James says, you have not because you ask not, and you receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it on your own lust. Now, if we pray out of a greedy heart, oh, I want a new Cadillac because my neighbor's got one. Well, you know, that's a little, that's a little selfish prayer. God don't answer all those prayers. And you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you should ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now remember, Jesus said he chose you and I that we would bring forth fruit. And if a person's living a Christian life who professes to be a Christian but never brings forth any evidence that they're born again, what's that saying? That they're just making, they made a head profession and that's it. They haven't really been born again. Now this goes along with Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works, fruits. The fruits of the Spirit in our lives. Good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. A child of God will walk in good works. There's no ifs about it. Because it's God who worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. I want you to keep that straight. That we were chosen of the Lord to bring forth fruit. And that our fruit should remain. And we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We will walk in them. This is the truth that we need to preach today, because there's so many teaching error today concerning the salvation of the Lord. Eternal salvation will be evidenced by fruits in your life. If you don't have fruits in your life, you don't have no evidence in your life, you don't have eternal salvation. I don't care what the preacher down the road may say. There's a lot of people saying you can live any way you want, do anything you want, live ungodly, be a reprobate, and you'll wake up in heaven. That's contrary to God's Word. And I say it on authority of God's Word. That's a lie. The Bible teaches that everyone who named the name of the Lord, let him depart from iniquity. The foundation of God stands sure the Lord knoweth them that are his. And those that are his will walk as he walked. John says in 1 John 1, 2, 6, that we should walk even as he walked. Because he's walking in us by his spirit. Oh, beloved, the Christian life is a life of joy, a life of happiness. I mean, it's a life sometimes of uh, suffering. We suffer sometimes for the cause of Christ. But we should count it all joy. James says when we fall into diverse temptations. Now, sometimes that's difficult to count some trials joy. But we know because of Romans 8.28, which I believe means exactly what it says, for all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. We're going to look at that in a few seconds. Beloved, that's a powerful verse. And we should take comfort in that. Now, other signs of the new birth in this epistle. Another one of the signs are love of the brethren. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, 
Let us love one another. Do we love one another? For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Where there's true love for your brothers and sisters in Christ, where there's true love to the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we can know that we've been born again. And we know God by experience. And another encouraging verse is 1 John 3, 14. We know, which the word means absolutely once and for all, that we have passed from death unto life because, what? We love the brethren. What's an evidence that we, we've been born again? Because we love one another. We show that love in our lives. Now, that goes a long ways. As we go through John, you're going to see what that means. What does it mean to love your brother? We're going to find out what that means. Sometimes we've got this idea that love is an emotion, a feeling. You love somebody mystically. Oh, you got this great feeling. Jesus said, if a man loved me, if you love me, what did he say? Keep my commandments. To love the God is to love the God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. And how do we do that? Obeying his precepts and commands. That's our evidence of loving God. We can sing, oh, I love Jesus. All we want. But if we don't obey the Lord, we don't love him. In practicality, we don't love him. You love him by demonstrating your obedience to his command. And like I said earlier, Lord, what would I have me to do? If he's pointing you to do something, convicting you to do something, what should you do? You should do it. That's an evidence of your love for the Lord. If you don't do it, it's an evidence you don't love the Lord. Now, we can say we love him, but evidence is the fruit of true love. We know we pass from death unto life. Another one of the evidences of the love is faith. That it, Jesus is the Christ. That believing in Jesus Christ is another evidence of being born again. First John 5, 1 John 5.1 says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. So if we're a believer in some evidence when we come forth and we uh, put our faith and confidence in Christ that we're a believer in him, it's an evidence that we've been born again. Plus... A profession is no better than your life. If you continue living the same old ways, the same old sins, the same old ungodliness, it's only a profession. But if you have that desire in your heart to obey the Lord, no matter how imperfect it is, you may stumble, you may fall, but you get back up and say, Lord, forgive me. Give me strength to go on. It's a warfare from beginning to end the Christian life. And the devil talks to a lot of people. He tries to talk to you out of being obedient to God by putting fear in your heart that you can't live the Christian life. And you can't by yourself. But I'm grateful, beloved. It's not, it's not a one-person obedience. It's the obedience of God working through us. We sing that song, Because He lives, I live. Face tomorrow. He lives where? He lives in us. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So how do you live the Christian life? How do I live the Christian life? Through Christ, through the Spirit, we live the Christian life.
by obedience to His Word, obedience to His commands, being obedient to the Holy Spirit, not grieve the Spirit, not quench the Spirit. That's how we as believers live the Christian life. It's not on our own. This idea that you can live the Christian life because you've been born again and you don't need God, now you can do it on your own, that's a false teaching. Paul, you, you study the life of Paul. He always was giving God the glory. He said, the Lord stood with me. The Lord strengthened me. I can do all things through Christ who infused his strength into me. He's able to do abundantly above all I asked or think. He didn't point back to Paul and say, I'm doing this on my own. You cannot do it on your own, beloved. It's God that worketh in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. And thank God for that. Another evidence of being born again, don't practice sin as a habit of, a habit of life, but they practice righteousness. If you're obeying the Lord, it's an evidence that you've been born again. If you're living in a habitual, disobedient life to the Lord, it's a sign that you haven't been born again. Now, I want you to get that clear because we're going to be dealing with this all the way through chapter 3. It's not an act of sin, but it's a habitual, disobedient life. A person is continually living in sin, continually rebelling against God, continually rejecting God, continually disobeying God's commands. That person has never been born again. Again, no matter what the preacher down the street may tell you, you better listen to God's Word. We keep His commandments. 1 John 3, 9 says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit or practice sin. Now we'll be dealing with that when we get on down to verse 9 and, and, and verse 6 of this chapter. Whosoever is born of God doth not Commit sin, it means to habitually practice sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. And then 1 John 3, 6 says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. See, to abide in Christ means what? You're depending on him. You're following him. You're obeying him. You're loving him. You're seeking him. You're seeking him as your priest, your advocate, your God, your strength. If you're abiding in Him and doing those things, you cannot practice sin. Now, you may commit an act of sin, but He's there as your advocate to come to your side and cleanse you to keep your fellowship with Him going continually. And I hope you can see the difference between practicing sin and committing an act of sin. Whosoever sinneth practices sin hath not seen Him, neither known Him. Oh, beloved, what a blessing it is to know and obey the Lord. Also in 1 John 3, verses 1 and 2, we're going to look at a little of this. Behold. You know, sometimes you go out in the... If it's a clear night, you're in the country, and you look up at the sky, and you can see all the stars, and you say, boy, the majesty of God. His creation, His handiwork. And John says, Behold ye. That's in the plural. He's talking to all the family of God. Behold. What manner of love. And I looked that up, that word manner of love. 
It's a foreign love. It's a love that we don't understand. It's a love that's alien to us. It's God's love. The love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God or the children of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. That word behold means to see, look, be amazed. It calls upon the readers to take a heart moving look at the amazing love which God gave them participation in God's family. Look at the love. God chose you to be one of His children. He adopted you as sons and daughters. God put His love upon you. Oh, beloved, that, what a great thought. Think about that. Of all the people in the world, God chose to love you, Brother Roger. We, we need to stop and dwell upon that. We need to take time to contemplate this love and allow it to really to sink down deep into our hearts. And we can get a little glimpse, a little feeling, the motion. God loves even me. We sing that song, how could he love me so? How could my Savior go to Calvary go? How could he love me, a sinner? So, hmm. I say that even now in my life. How could God love me? Oh, beloved. Meditate on the love of God. Meditate upon it. God chose you to be His child. And we're going to get into adoption later on and deal with that with sons, how we are adopted into God's family. But it's precious that we are children of God. There's another verse that uses this what matter, matter, same Greek verb. In Matthew 8, 27, it says, But the man marveled, saying, This is when Jesus stilled the waters. When he walked on the water and he was on the boat and then the waters were calm. They said, What manner of man is this? Wow, look at this. Even the winds and the sea, it says, that even the winds and the sea obey Him. Because He was God manifested in the flesh who created the winds, who created the world, who created the sea. He was their maker. And He could say, be calm. And there was a calm. So beloved, when we say, behold, John says, ye saints, look at the love of God. When did this love begin? Again, another one of Roger's favorite verses. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Everything John's talking about, being children of God, being born again, the love of God, it all comes back up to God's love. That's the foundation of everything that we have, the love of God. The love of God. Oh, beloved, we can trace everything back to the Father, the love of the Father. Ye have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. 
And you know that famous verse in John 3.16, every kid learns it when they're small. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him, present tense, ever, ever whosoever is present tense believing in me, should not perish but have everlasting life. It does not say, whosoever shall believe in me. It's not saying that. It's saying all the ones that are present tense believing in me should not perish but have everlasting life. It's saying to believers, you're not going to perish, believers, because you have everlasting life. But the love of God, He so loves you and I. Mm. We need to get a hold of that, beloved. And sometimes it's hard for our minds to phantom this thing. We were unwretched, ungodly, reprobate sinners. And God loved us in spite of what we were. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, this is very rich. First of all, but God who is rich in mercy. Aren't you glad he's merciful, Ron? If God didn't exercise mercy toward us, would nobody be saved? Mercy. What does it say in the book of Hebrews? Let us come boldly in the throne of grace that we may obtain what? Mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. I tell you what, I have to go to that grace very often to find mercy and to find grace to help me in my Christian life. So we don't live this life alone, beloved. For His great love, His great love, Paul had to emphasize it through the Holy Spirit, emphasized it through Paul, for God's great love wherewith He loved us. He set His love upon us. Upon us. Oh, beloved. Even when we were dead in sins. Yes, He loved you when we're dead in sins. And hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. Are you saved? I thank God that salvation is by grace and not by works. That none of us would make it if it was by works. And beloved, the more you live your life as a Christian, the more you follow Christ, you learn by experience that God will not let you down. He's promised, I'll never leave thee, I'll never forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Now in closing, I want to say a few remarks about the Father. And we're going to come back to Verses three, uh, verses one and two. Next, next time I preach, First John three one and two. But I want to emphasize the love of the Father and salvation is under the control of the Father. Sometimes we just look at Christ for salvation, but without the Father, Christ wouldn't have came into the world. Remember, we read, "For God so loved the world that He gave." He gave the Father, His only begotten Son. It says in Romans 8, 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And there's the key. All things don't work together for all people. It says it qualifies it to them that love God. And how do we know if we love God? If you love God, we keep His commandments. That's practical. To them who are the called according to His, the Father's purpose. So who's the one speaking in Romans 8.28? The Father. He's the one speaking. 
He's the one who can works all things together for our good. In verse 29, it comes out, For whom he, the Father, did foreknow, he, the Father, also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You see, the Father. In verse 30, it says, Moreover, whom he, the Father, did predestinate, them he, the Father, also called. Who calls you? The Father. And whom he, the Father, called, them he, the Father, also justifies. Whom he, the Father, justifies, the, them he, the Father, I'm emphasizing that, also glorifies. Everything is in the hands of God the Father. What he begins, he will finish, Brother Roger. You don't, you won't lose your salvation. If you're afraid to start off that you may not make it, you don't have to worry about that. God's going to bring you from this world to glory by His power, but by His Spirit. Because He's the one controlling all things. Don't depend upon your strength, your wisdom, your knowledge. It's God who's in control. And this is brought out also in Ephesians 1.11. And whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Oh, we have an inheritance. We'll deal some with that as we go through this. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We're rich. What Christ has, we have. We're going to share His inheritance. Hallelujah. Being predestinated according to the purpose of Him, the Father, who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. Who's in control of our destiny? Jesus. And the Father is working all things together to conform us into the image of His Son. Why do we go through trials and tribulations that we might be conformed to the image of His Son? We learn through suffering. We have to suffer too. It shows our need of Christ. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance of being predestinated according to the purpose of Him, the Father, who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. He has infinite knowledge. He can take any circumstance and turn it around. Look at Joseph in Egypt. He was sold into Egypt, into slavery. But God was behind the scene working, Roger. And He was working everything in Joseph's life for a purpose to preserve Israel from starving to death and going out of existence. Jacob says, all is against me. But everything was working for Jacob. He just didn't realize it. And sometimes in my life and your life, things seem to be going against us. But behind the scenes is an omniscient God who who has all power and all strength. He's working these things for our good. He'll bring you through the fire. And we'll come out rejoicing. Oh, let your faith be in God. You know, it says perfect love casts out all fear. The more you can receive the love of God, and more you trust the love of God, the more you see God's love for you, it'll gradually cast out that fear and doubt in your life that you come to settle it. God's in control. Why should I fear? God's in control. Oh, beloved, that's a comfort. Romans 28 is a comfort to God's people. And Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
God commendeth His love toward us, toward us. And when did it begin? It began in regeneration. Well, it began in election. And then following election is adoption. Following adoption is regeneration. We're born again. Following regeneration is believing. We believe in Jesus Christ. And then we receive justification into our consciousness. And then we will be sanctified in our life. And then finally we'll be glorified. Hallelujah. God has it all. And it says in Philippians chapter 1, I think in verse 6, He that has done a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to finish the course for us, beloved. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. We will uh, build up on that later too. Hath bestowed upon us. This declares that His love is a permanent gift. It's not something He gives and takes away. Once you adopt a child, you cannot disown that child. Now you can disown one of your own children, but you cannot dis- you cannot disown an adopted child. It's it's the law of the land. You cannot disinherit the adopted child. And we're going to be dealing with that. And he says, God set his love upon us. John included himself. And he was called up and said, Oh, behold, look at this love. Look at the uh, the glorious love. Look at this wondrous love. Oh, beloved, if we can just get a glimpse of God's love, may the Spirit of God, as we read the Scriptures, show His love to us in our hearts and stir our hearts. The joy of the Lord is our strength. To see the Father's love arise is to sink down in adoration and try to comprehend. You know, Paul says that we could understand the depth and the length and the breadth and the height of God's love. It's beyond anything we can comprehend. You say, how can God love sinners? It's filthy, wicked, ungodly, haters of God. We don't just wander away from God. In our nature, we hate God. We, we despise God. You know, the more closer we get to the Lord, it says that the world hates you. It hated me and it's going to hate you. It doesn't know you because it doesn't know me. We're going to be dealing with that a little bit longer. But beloved... When we are conformed to the image of Christ, some of your friends are not going to like you anymore. Now, sometimes are we willing to pay the cost? Are you willing to confess Christ before a man? He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. Oh, beloved, this is a wonderful chapter. I hope there's some evidences in your life that you all are a child of God. And if you're hindering and obeying the Lord, remember, remember, you'll never be happy until you make that decision that God has burdened your heart with to obey Him. If what God's telling you to do, you need to do it. The longer you put it off, Satan is just going to keep trying to hinder you. But beloved, it's better to obey the Lord. Obedience, God told Saul, is better than sacrifice. Obedience. Does someone have a song in closing?